Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, good morning, gang, and welcome to New Southern Garden. Of course, I'm your gardening pal, Nathan Wilson. I'm very, very happy, very glad that you've decided to join us this morning, as always. I know there's a lot of other things you could be doing at 10 o'clock on Saturday morning. Maybe sleeping in. <laughs> Maybe being outside in the garden itself, pulling some weeds, pruning things back, enjoying the beauty that surrounds you. But for the next hour, of course, we are here to help inspire you and uplift you and give you tips and ideas on things to do. But I will say that today is going to be, a, hopefully, more of a day of inspiration. Last week, we've, we answered your questions, which is something we like to do here on New Southern Garden. Of course, you can submit your questions at NewSouthernGarden.com, or you can send us um, a message on Facebook and Instagram those places you can send us pictures there as well if if your uh, question needs some visual aid because in this business visual aids are very beneficial so we've answered some questions uh, last week and of course talked about uh, different types of fruits that you can grow that really bear in the middle of summer we talked about figs and pomegranates and blackberries and raspberries over the past few weeks so if you've missed any of these shows well uh, don't cry because we've decided to send our shows to the cloud, whatever the cloud is. And of course, uh, that's on the podcasting apps and on NewSouthernGarden.com. So there's a lot of ways to get in touch with us throughout the week, throughout the month. Because, hey, Q&A week will be coming up very soon, very soon, just, uh, just at the end of this month. Can't believe how fast the year has already been going. But... There's always something to talk about, and today, like I said, I wanted today to be more of a day of inspiration, to get a little personal with you and share some things that inspire me, particularly an individual who has inspired me for the past 32 years, because I haven't shared with you on the program, but my, um, my mother has had been battling a very strange a unique, rare form of cancer. In 2018, this uh, cancer appeared, and uh, she she fought through it in 2018. It, 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 she was almost considered uh, cancer-free by the end of 2020, yeah. And she was getting to where she only had to go to the doctors once a year for checkups, but then at the end of 2020, just a few days before um, Christmas, this rare cancer showed back up. Now, even though this cancer was in her brain, it wasn't really brain cancer. The cancer itself uh, is usually found in other parts of the body. It's a sarcoma. And this sarcoma is found in legs and uh, muscles and, and things like that. 
And another thing is that usually this sarcoma is found in juveniles, in, in children. Of course, my mother was uh, 58 years old. And so it was very strange and unusual, first of all, that this cancer was found in someone of her age. Uh, but then again, it was even more rare that it would be found in the central nervous system, particularly in her skull, in between her skull and her brain. I've always thought after the fact here that it's sort of an exceptional cancer. And how appropriate, an exceptional cancer for an exceptional lady. So I do want to, even though I know uh, I wished that you all could have met her and known her, because she was a very exceptional lady, that's for sure. And I, I wish that uh, uh, I, I can share with you today, maybe introduce you in a special way to her, because she was really my inspiration in life in general, but she, both my sister and I, uh, she encouraged us to pursue whatever our dreams were, whatever our goals were, uh, no matter what it was, no matter what it was. And of course, going into horticulture, going into the business of gardening and growing things is not really common. As a matter of fact, I think I've shared with you before, but when I studied horticulture at the University of Georgia, there were only 60 kids in the horticultural program that I graduated with. And of the entire, the entire College of Agriculture that is at UGA, there was only like 1,500 kids. So just a handful of students out of some 30,000 students at UGA at the time, just a handful of students chose to go into some type of agriculture, growing uh, horticulture or something like that. But she encouraged me, and I know she was very proud of me. Going through some boxes uh, of things that she had stored was all kinds of what I call the, the, um, the trophies of her career, being a mother, being a wife. She saved birthday cards, graduation cards, the, the pamphlets, every single pamphlet they gave us uh, through college and high school and middle school. She saved a copy um, because I believe that um, her purpose in life was to be a wife, to be a mother, and I'll tell you more about that later. But those were her badges of honor. Those were her trophies, if you will. And so a, a little later on today's program, I'm going to share with you some things that you definitely want to be doing out in the landscape this Labor Day weekend, because we're just a, a few hours really away from Labor Day. And I hope you all have a, a great Monday if you're off. If you're not off, well, I hope you find a way to have a great Labor Day. Um, but before we get into some details about some things that you want to uh, do, uh, I, I, again, I, I want to tell you about the inspiration that I find really in gardening is is a lot in part to my mother yes my grandmothers but definitely my mother because of her encouragement and the things that she did for me uh, the things that well she's still doing for me um, but I thought I would introduce you to this sweet lady by reading to you we, we had the honor and uh, privilege to write her obituary even though I think she deserves an entire book uh, this is just a couple of pages but it is the story of her life and I would like to send this as a tribute to her. She listened to this program, like many of you, every week. Not necessarily because she was a gardener, but I know because uh, the host was her son, is her son. And she, uh, and she definitely was proud of the program. But um, let me introduce you to my mother. Surrounded by those she loved in her home, Karen Smith-Wilson made her journey into her heavenly home on Friday, August 27, 2021. She was greeted at the front door by more family her mother and father, Malin and Jenny Smith, and her grandparents. 
Karen was born March 11, 1963, to Malin and Jenny Smith. Growing up at Plainview in Oakwood, Georgia, she attended Oakwood Elementary and South Hall Junior High School, where she participated in cheerleading, the school band, and was a bluebird in Campfire Girls. Even at an early age, Karen knew what her purpose in life was to be. When asked to write an essay in school about what she wanted to be when she grew up, she wrote that her dream in life was to become a wife and a mother. She played the flute in both marching and concert band at Johnson High School. Karen and her big sister Kim, along with their mother, experienced a devastating loss in 1977 when their father Malin suddenly passed away. Though it was a pain dealt with for a long time, through this incident, Karen, Kim, and her mother's faith in God and love for each other grew even stronger. After graduating from Johnson High School in 1981, she served. Uh, she worked for J&J Foods in Gainesville. Other than checking out groceries, Karen also found her future husband while working at J&J. Through the matchmaking skills of a dear friend and co-worker, Pam Coker-Reddick, Karen was set up with the love of her life, Scott Wilson, when she agreed to go on a double date to watch a play at the University of Georgia. After getting engaged in December of 1982, Karen married Scott on September 18, 1983, at Zion Hill Baptist Church with Preacher Peoples officiating. This would become a marriage that would continue until her death nearly 38 years later. The first part of her purpose in life had been achieved. They purchased their first little home on Paul Drive in Gainesville, where they would spend the next 12 years. In the meantime, Karen and Scott gave birth to their first child, Nathan Scott, in 1989. Karen chose to leave her current job at McGarrity's Business Products and stay at home to continue pursuing her dream of being a wife and mother. They continued to love and grow their family when, in 1991, their second child, a daughter named Kaylin Lane, was born. The second part of her dream in life was just beginning. With the growth of their little family, Karen and Scott moved out to what some people considered the boonies, a house located not far from the rock quarry off Candler Highway. Joining the Wilsons in that home was Karen's beloved mother, Jenny, who became a very instrumental part of their daily family life until her death in 2019. For 26 years, the Wilsons would carve many memories in the rooms, the carpet, and around the soil of that first home. On a daily basis, Karen made sure that her children's homework was completed and completed well, that they were well-fed, even if the macaroni came from a box, teeth brushed, prayers prayed, and plenty of fun each day. Karen loved to plan family trips during which the family would have many adventures, from the Smoky Mountains and Pigeon Forge to the sands and beaches of Florida and Hilton Head, Karen took her little band of loved ones to make memories and enjoy being together. After Karen's children started school, she put her mothering skills to work in another way by becoming a paraprofessional at Myers Elementary School. For more than 22 years, she helped teach kindergarten uh, students in the community how to read and write letters, learn colors, shapes, and how to socialize with each other. Over that time, her co-workers at Myers became close and cherished family. Karen was a member of Zion Hill Baptist Church since her childhood. She served there for many years as a Sunday school teacher, choir member, involved in WMU, and co-director of Vacation Bible School for 21 years alongside her sister Kim. After Scott announced his call into the ministry in 1993, Karen soon became the pastor's wife and first lady of Zion Hill Baptist Church in 1997 after pastoring their first church, Long Branch Baptist, in Dahlonega. 
Karen would often say that she did not marry a preacher, that she became a preacher's wife. Karen was a faithful servant of the Lord, ministering to her congregation, her family, and her husband. She was fondly known by many church members as Pastor Precious. As time moved on, Karen's children grew up and eventually provided her the best promotion her career could possibly receive, becoming a grana. Kaylin and her husband, Justin Page, gave birth to Karen's first grandchild, Brooklyn Lane Page. Just a few months later, Nathan and his wife, Samantha, welcomed Eden Rose Wilson into the family. Karen spent hours and hours holding and rocking these babies as infants. As they began to crawl, Karen was right behind them, crawling around on all fours as well. Coloring pages, baby dolls, snacks, and afternoon naps were back in her daily family life. She was so excited to learn of the upcoming arrival of her third grandchild, Ezra Scott Wilson, in October. Karen loved her precious grandbabies. The dream and purpose of her life was relived and fulfilled. After more than a three-year fight with a strange and rare form of cancer located in her brain, Karen has finally found healing in eternity. Well, gang, I really appreciate you listening to the story of my mother's life. As short as it may sound, it surely was definitely one that was long, um, uh, deeply and um, fondly lived. She did provide for us some great times and great opportunities, and we've had a blast. And we will miss her, and I definitely will miss her. But I did want to let you in on a little bit that's going on in my life and also on the sweet lady that my mother is. And before we go to a break, I want to read a quick poem about a life that has been cut short. She's only 58, but it was a full life. It says, Do not judge a biography by its length, nor by the number of its pages. Judge it by the richness of its contents. Sometimes those unfinished are among the most poignant. Do not judge a song by its duration, nor... Uh, by the number of its notes. Judge it by the way it touches and lifts the soul. Sometimes those unfinished are among the most beautiful. And when something has enriched your life, and when its melody lingers on in your heart, is it unfinished or is it endless? And I like to believe that my mother's life is endless. It wasn't unfinished. A death at 58, death at a younger age. If we live a life that is full of beautiful times, beautiful memories, beautiful loved ones, and our lives will be endless. And I know that Karen Wilson, my mother, will live forever in our hearts, but I think she'll be looking down on us, leading us, guiding us, watching us, those happy times we'll have here, thinking of her, and of course wishing that she could be here in the physical body right with us. When we get back, a little more about life and gardening. Hey gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the New Southern Garden Podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing and growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. (laughs) At Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now let's get growing together.
Well, gang, uh, this morning, I, I hate to sort of start on a somber note, but as with all things in life, and especially in gardening, there are seasons of life, there are a time for planting, a time for pruning, a time for harvesting, and a time for enjoying the bounty that you have harvested. So I appreciate you uh, allowing me to tell you the story of my mother's life uh, in, in the first segment, because of course we, we did, uh, well she did step into that heavenly garden, if you will, over this past week. And uh, she's been my inspiration for all things in life, for all things in life. It, it is hard to imagine uh, a world without someone who has been in your life the entire time. And I know that I'm sure many of you listening have understand the kind of loss that I'm talking about. I sort of even hate to use the word loss because when someone is suffering from something as rare and strange as the form of sarcoma cancer that my mother had, and of course the treatments that they used, uh, even though there were very little, and actually the one they used was not even known to be successful, uh, but even the treatments themselves can bring a lot of suffering, uh, can bring a lot of some, some agony, of course. And so to know that uh, those loved ones have been healed, there's either a healing here on earth or there's a healing on the other side. Now listen, I don't mean to preach or sound preachy. Uh, but I, I think that I would like to connect now um, the story of my mother's life into our gardens. Because going through this, of course, I've kind of been thinking a lot, as we probably should at times, moments like this in our lives. And I've been thinking a lot about seasons and how, you know, in the garden, we usually plant in the spring things germinate, things grow. In the summer, they continue to flourish and grow for an extended period of time. Then in the fall, things to wane down into that inevitable winter, which some things pass away, some things die, uh, but some things go to sleep. Some things go to sleep to, to wait for the next spring. And so I sort of would like to inspire you this morning by thinking about the seasons in the garden as if they were the seasons in our life. So first of all, let's start with spring. What does spring represent? Well, of course, spring represents new life. Whether you're planting a seed uh, or, or putting some transplants into the ground, in the spring, there's always something new. You know, it even goes for the weeds. In the spring, the weeds start germinating. They start growing. And so spring represents new life. I think that if we look to spring, to this calendar of the gardening year and uh, put it on top of our lives, then spring would be birth. Spring would be a birth in our infancy, those very early years, those very early years as we're growing. Everything is, is warm when it should be warm. Everything is cool when it should be cool. And we have uh, fun as infants, as children, uh, in this springtime of life. Uh, our parents are young, our grandparents are young, and we can enjoy uh, cousins who may be uh, born around the same time. Just like in the garden, we see all these things, green leaves, fresh growth, everything looks good. And then, of course, comes summer. Now, summer is another time of growth. Summer is another time of work. The plants in the garden are still green. They are vibrant. But they're also starting to flower. They're starting to blossom, right? 
And of course, those blossoms lead to uh, a lot of work in those plants. Those plants have to make nutrition and food to, to feed not just the plant and the roots, but also to feed the flowers and the fruits. And so summer in our lives is long. Summer of our lives is usually a long time of our life because I think summer represents those years that we're going to school, working hard, uh, graduating from wherever we're graduating from, going into the workforce, building our own families, growing uh, our own uh, life. And of course, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of labor. And this is where some, some uh, raggedness comes into our lives, is it not? Just like in the garden during summer, plants that were very green and vibrant, they become quite dull. They become uh, maybe some holes and some blemishes in those leaves, some, some yellowing of the leaves. Because the work and effort uh, that, that they put into producing and growing a big, strong, healthy plant, is, uh, it takes a, lot of, uh, takes a lot of energy. And I think the same goes for us. It takes a lot of energy for us to, to uh, live uh, and, and uh, work our lives during this summertime. And so, of course, that's when wrinkles may pop up and that's when gray hair may start, you know. It's just uh, facts of life. And, of course, pains and aches start in our bodies. But that is our summer. Our summer uh, is that point in life where I think it's probably going to be, uh, would be the longest part of your life when you're, you're, you're able and, and your ability is there to do things. But then, of course, just like in the garden, things start to cool down, things start to relax, things start to slow down, if you will, to some degree. And this fall time, I think, can be different for everybody. You know, if, if we are blessed enough to, to live into an old age, like my grandmothers were, they were about 85 when they passed away, uh, you know, they had a period of their years, and I watched them. They had a period of the years, my one grandmother had dementia, uh, the other came with some physical problems eventually. But I remember my grandmother, uh, Granny, uh, I would call her and ask her, Hey, Granny, what you doing? And she'd say, I'm resting, just resting. And probably nine out of ten times that I called her to ask her what's going on, she would say, I'm resting. And she deserved that, don't you think? She deserved to rest. Because, of course, the summer, the summer of her life, had pretty much ended, and she was taking it easy, slowing down, allowing her body uh, to deal with any pains that she may have had and not inflict new ones uh, during that fall period of her life. And the same with my grandmother, uh, Nanny. Nanny had dementia, and I think her demen uh, dementia was definitely part of her fall season of her life uh, because her mind started to change. Uh, but then maybe for my mother, who, of course, was 58, her fall season, I think, was dealing, dealing with the uh, cancer that she had, dealing with uh, the physical problems it came with, uh, dealing with the, yes, because it was in her brain, she did have some aphasia, they call it, which means that uh, she couldn't recall objects. Uh, association with words was missing. Not that it was gone, it was just being suppressed by the pressure the cancer uh, put onto her brain. So I think that was her fall season. So fall, again, we're going to be going into actual real fall, autumn, in just a few weeks. Uh, hopefully sooner than later, because it's one of my favorite seasons. It'll be much cooler. But I think that we can relate fall to that later part in our life where uh, we're slowing down. Things aren't um, as vibrant, maybe, as they once were. 
But of course, that leads us into winter. After fall, after the autumn, comes winter. And of course, in the garden, winter is a very cold time. Not so much uh, cold as cold these days as it used to be. But there's potential for frostiness. And, and of course, from the, from the plant's perspective, uh, there are many plants like begonias and petunias and, and whatnot. Those plants, they're, they're annuals here. They don't like the cold weather one bit. And so when the first frost comes, the first freeze comes, their little bodies shrivel up, they freeze, and they will not return from their root system. Now, there are other plants that, of course, uh, they can handle our cooler temperatures in the winter. And so they uh, respond in different ways. They drop all their leaves in the fall, and now they're just left with twigginess, barrenness, and it may appear that they're dead. But, of course, they're not. They're just waiting until better times come. And so I think that now here we're in winter. And, of course, winter in our lives would be our, our death, our uh, leaving this world for another one. But just like those plants that can survive the winter, remember, they may look dead. They may be, uh, they may look like they're not there. No leaves, few stems, whatnot. But then they do come back. They do come back. In the spring, it starts a cycle. And it starts over again. I just think that sometimes we can look to the garden to see ourselves. After all, the very first place humans lived was in a garden, a garden called Eden. And I think that's why we strive to create our own. Well, folks, when we get back, we're going to talk about your garden and what you need to be doing right now. Hang on tight. Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, gang, if you're just joining us this morning on New Southern Garden, you've missed a lot. You've missed a lot. <laughs> and so if you've missed any part of today's program, or if you uh, have missed any program, as a matter of fact, you can find them all at NewSouthernGarden.com, where we've got every episode of every show we've ever had posted on there. And, of course, also you can find the show on um, Facebook at NewSouthernGarden.com, uh, well, it's New Southern Garden, I should say, and Instagram, uh, and all the podcasting apps. I can't say it enough. But we were, before the break, just talking about the seasons of the garden and how these seasons uh, can be represented in our very own lives. Spring is our birth. Summer is the majority of our life where we're living, working, growing, doing all kinds of things. We're getting blemishes like wrinkles along the way. Uh, we're getting sun-tired and beaten down just like our plants in the summer. But then, of course, fall comes. And fall is that slow time in life where we're resting. Like I said, my grandmother, when she was uh, getting close to the end of, end of her life, she would just rest. And she would, I'd call her up on the phone. What are you doing, Granny? Just resting, just resting. And then, of course, winter comes. And winter is that symbol for death. 
symbol for the end of our lives. But it is almost fall. It is almost fall. And there are some things that you need to be doing to prepare your plants, particularly trying to prepare them in such a way that they get some strength. You'll do some things this weekend that will help to um, uh, make them stronger, but also at a, in a timely manner so that the things you do don't result in damage when the first frost does come. Now, let me remind you, folks, that the first frost for our area generally here in Zone 7 is around October 15th. Now, if you're north of where we are or further south, that date may be a little different. But October 15th is generally the first average or average first frost. Now, of course, that first frost is going to be when we get a temperature at freezing or below. I will say, though, just from observation over the past few years, that October 15th seems to be a, an outdated date. It does seem like our first frost is much later than that. But again, we've got to remember that October 15th is just an average. So that means we could have a first frost before October 15th. And remember, it's just a month and a half away. We could also have a first frost after October 15th because this is just the average. So we've got to keep that in mind, that your plants are going to be dramatically and drastically changed come the first frost. Any new growth that has not been able to be hardened off. Now remember, hardening off is where the plant will naturally produce bright, fresh, soft, green growth. And then over a course of time, about six weeks, that growth has time to harden off. But if you have fresh growth and also a first frost, then that fresh growth will usually succumb to winter damage, which is damage that is inflicted uh, at these freezing temperatures. So with that in mind, we are at the point where we've got about six weeks, six weeks before the first frost, give or take. Again, it's just an average, October 15th. So this weekend is the weekend that is very important. It's always the Labor Day weekend. I tell people the Labor Day weekend is one of the most important days in the garden, in the landscape. Yes, of course, uh, April 15th is a super important day back at the beginning of spring because it's usually the last frost, the average last frost. And so that's when you can start planting things. That's when you can start planting things and not be worried if those plants are going to get hit by a frost. But this, on this end, on this side of the calendar, going from spring to fall, October, excuse me, Labor Day is a super important day. Because we have about six weeks before the average first frost, we can do certain things to our plants that may need to be done or should be done, but we can't wait much later to do them. We've got to make sure we do them pretty timely. The very first thing that I would start off by saying is that if you need to prune anything, whether it's dead branches or if you need to, uh, uh, to prune some low-hanging branches, I'll tell you at my place, there's, uh, this summer and uh, spring has been a great year for growing uh, new branches and leaves. And so things are hanging down you know, in my face or at the uh, head height of my lawnmower. And so I need to be out there this weekend pruning back anything. And here's the reason why. 
When you prune, you wound. You're going to create a wound on that plant, just like getting a cut on your hand or, or on your arm. Uh, you are wounding your plant. And that plant really needs to be able to recover. It needs to be able to heal before the cold weather gets here about six weeks from now. But thank goodness that we, on average, know that most plants can heal themselves between four to six weeks, maybe sometimes eight weeks. But six is a safe number to use. And so if you go ahead and do any pruning now, then your plant will have plenty of time to heal that wound. And then, of course, when the uh, uh, first frost does come, you won't have as much, or if any, winter damage. The trouble with pruning... Uh, later, you know, into fall and into winter, is that by creating that wound on your plant, at that time of year, your plant is sleeping. It is dormant. It's not actively growing, which means that any wound that is made will remain open until the spring. So for three or four months, depending on when you prune, in the winter, uh, your plant will have an open wound. And you know what happens with open wounds. Just like with humans, open wounds can lead to infection. Open wounds can lead to decay. Open wounds can lead to bacteria seeping in, uh, fungus growing in that wound, and then causing more damage than if you had just left the plant alone until a later time. The other thing that can happen with an open wound when you prune in the uh, winter uh, or fall is that water can get in. Now, water can be just as destructive as living organisms like bacteria and fungus. You see, water can get into these open wounds. It can freeze over winter and expand the cells, explode that wound open even more, causing more damage and, of course, larger surface area for potential bacteria, fungus infections uh, to grow into. And so if you know of a plant, whether it's a shrub or tree uh, or just a little bush, if you know you need to prune it, then go ahead and prune it now. If you have a hedge, you can prune your hedges now, and that will lead to a nice, crisp, clean edge over winter. Now, yes, anytime we prune, plants tend to respond with more growth. That's how they're uh, designed to do. Anytime they lose a branch, they want to grow another branch <laughs> to stay alive. And so by pruning, you may see some little new growth starting to come out. Well, if you do this much later than this weekend, that new growth may not have enough time to harden over, to harden up, and survive cooler temperatures. So this is your six-week six marking point for pruning. By pruning this weekend, you have six weeks, give or take, six weeks for your plant to heal, harden up, grow over, whatever it has to do uh, to protect itself for winter. Now, in addition to pruning, the other thing that you should be doing this weekend, if you need to, is to fertilize. Fertilize anything you need to this weekend. Now, you can. Uh, it's not necessary to, uh, to, uh, to give a high dose of nitrogen, but you can give a well-balanced fertilizer with micronutrients. Now, this is going to help your plant pull in as much nutrition and store as much food as it possibly can for winter. That will help to keep your plant healthy and happy over the winter and then, of course, lead to a beautiful flush out next spring. But you've got to do it this weekend. 
Because again, by fertilizing your plants, you will be stimulating them to start growing. Even if you give a low nitrogen, there will be some nitrogen in that uh, box or bag of fertilizer, I'm sure. And that nitrogen is going to encourage more branches and more leaves. Well, the plant is not so much worried about producing them, but if it can, it will. And any new growth, any new leaves or branches that are produced, remember, they've got to harden off for at least six weeks before a freeze or frost comes. Some of the uh, worst cases of winter dieback, I think, is due to us fertilizing, encouraging our plants to grow too late, right before a, a frost, and then boom, you've got a freeze, you've got damage to leaves and stems. Now, probably nine out of ten times, uh, more like ten out of ten, but your plant will recover. But there's no need to put your plant through any kind of abuse if you can uh, uh, eliminate that potential. And so just getting out there, fertilizing, topping off, giving a little bit of food and nutrition, for the next six weeks, your plants will pull that nutrition into their bodies. It'll go to their stems, wherever it needs them. And then, of course, they'll be able to make more food in the leaves that is then transferred into the root system during fall. And it will stay there so the plant can live off of that storage through winter. And then, of course, anything extra will just push out and flush out in the spring. Now, in addition to pruning and fertilizing this weekend, there's one last action that may seem kind of odd to, to say to do, but then stop, and that's watering. If you're going to water anything, uh, make sure you do it this weekend, and don't do much, if any, watering beyond here. Just let Mother Nature take care of the rest. Because, see, watering is also a catalyst, if you will, for growth. Watering is something that is going to stimulate your plant to grow new leaves, new stems, etc. And the same thing goes uh, for watering as with fertilizing and pruning is that by watering, you're going to encourage your plants to grow and any new growth, it has to be hardened off before October 15th, give or take. So, if something definitely is in need of water, water it heavily right now. If something is definitely in need of fertilizer, uh, or nutrition, fertilize it now. If something definitely needs pruning, fertilize it now. Because you only have about six weeks, which is the required amount of time for, for new growth to harden off and wounds to start healing over. So do all that this weekend. As soon I tell people at the nursery, of course, at Lanier Nursery and Gardens, uh, Flowery Branch, where you can find me throughout the week, I tell people, as soon as you throw out those uh, hamburger patties on the grill on Labor Day, throw out some fertilizer, do some pruning, do some watering, and then we're going to let our plants rest. Just like my grandmother, when I called her up on the phone, what you doing, Granny? I'm resting. We're going to let our plants rest because they're going to slowly be moving things around inside their bodies for the next few weeks, preparing them for the cold and the chill that fall and winter will bring. And can almost guarantee that if you do these things now, not only will your plants be safe and healthy and happy, but then come springtime, they will probably look even better than they did uh, this part of the year uh, or this time right now. They're going to look so much better. So uh, get out there and do some of these things this weekend. Fall is coming. Fall is on its way. And we've got to make sure that our plants are uh, uh, completely 
completely prepared to handle it, completely prepared to go into a new season of the year. Just like in life, we prepare ourselves to go into a new season of life. Well, so too must we with our plants, prepare them for this new season that's coming up. When we get back, gang, a few thoughts about what you can do this fall to make your landscape look delicious. <laughs> Hang on tight. We'll be right back. Hey, gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at NewSouthernGarden.com where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our contact us page. It's never fun gardening alone. So get social with the New Southern Garden family and let's grow well. Well, gang, we have already talked today about uh, some philosophical ideas about life and gardening. And I do want to uh, thank you again for allowing me to share you, share with you the story of my mother's life. She did um, pass away this past week from a strange and rare form of cancer that actually happened to be located in her brain, even though usually it's not in the brain, it's in muscles and other tissues. That makes her case even more exceptional. And so, yes, we will miss her, but her inspiration uh, that drives me forward and always has will still be there. And so we, we won't be, we may be in want, but we won't be in need of anything. And then, of course, we've talked about the seasons of life and how seasons are a lot like our lives. And I think that we can lay seasons of life on top of our lives and find those springs, summers, falls, and winters uh, that we all undergo and go throughout. And then, of course, we've talked about all the things you need to be doing this weekend because this is your last chance to do pruning, fertilizing, watering, anything that would stimulate your plant to grow. You need to do it now so that the new growth is is not well. The new growth and the wounds from pruning uh, are not or do not succumb to winter damage because October 15th, just as a reminder, is our average first frost in our zone here in the northeast Georgia mountains. And it may be before, it may be after. But we do know that the USDA has told us that uh, October 15th is the average. And so that date will be here sooner than later, just about six weeks away. But of course, thinking about seasons and the changes of life, we are going into fall. We're going into a new season. Fall, I do think, is one of my favorite seasons. I used to say that I, I, I didn't have a favorite season, but I just like the changes. But then, of course, as I've gotten older, I just love fall. The leaves on the trees, that's the probably one of the most beneficial things. But also, the color uh, and the cooler weather. The cooler weather are all things that remind us of fall. And so, yes, folks, we are getting into that time where we need to be really seriously thinking about planting for our fall garden. You see, even though certain, let's talk about vegetables real fast first. So vegetables do, certain vegetables like cooler, cooler weather. Things like broccoli 
cabbage, kale, mustard, uh, even some spinach. They, they all like cooler weather here in the South. But it doesn't mean that we need to start planting them when it is cool. Because these plants do need a bit of warmth and a, uh, uh, yeah, just really a, a bit of warmth. You'll be able to give them the nutrition and the water they need. But they do need a bit of warmth in their early year, uh, early days to really get started and get established. I have tried uh, planting things like cabbage and, and uh, broccoli later in the fall and into early winter. And even though the plants grow, they just sit there. They just sit there because they didn't have enough warmth early on to really get growing and get a great root system established. Because if you're growing leafy greens like the ones we've just mentioned, then you need to know that those plants are heavy feeders. They're going to need a lot of nutrition and they're also going to need a big root system in order to accomplish all that growth. So yes, we need to have probably already started maybe even last week or earlier some of these crops. And if you want a more detailed discussion on what to plant and when and uh, what's a good time for certain crops, then you can check out last week's episode because there was a question that came through last week or last month that we did answer last week. And uh, we talked about all the different kinds of crops and the more appropriate times to plant them. But there were plenty more that you could plant right now. So you can check that episode out at NewSouthernGarden.com. But I sort of want to give you some other ideas for uh, flowering crops, if you will, for um, uh, ornamentals. We talked a bit about edibles, but ornamentals. Now, the, the, the top two plants, the top two plants to plant in the uh, flower bed or the uh, border or even in containers in the fall is going to be mums and pansies. Now, folks, I... Oh, I almost said I love mums, but that would probably be a lie. No, mums are beautiful. Mums are great. Just from the nursery perspective, they're a little hard to deal with. But mums, of course, are going to be showing up in garden centers around you. And you shouldn't be scared uh, to buy them, to use them. They're great, beautiful plants. And the same go go for pansies. As a matter of fact, uh, we're unique here in the South because pansies are grown and can be grown over winter. But I've talked with some clients who are actually from Wisconsin. Now, that's a very cold state. I think their hardiness zone was four or three. They were sort of on the line. Of course, here in the south, we're at seven. Very warm (laughs) compared to four and three. And so they were surprised when they moved down here and came to the nursery looking for plants that we could grow pansies over winter. They thought pansies grew in the summer. But they don't here. It gets way too hot. But they like our cooler temperatures. So pansies and violas are great. But let me mention to you snapdragons. Snapdragons are great to plant this time. And in just a week or two, uh, Lanier Nursery and Gardens, where you can find me throughout the week, we will have snapdragons, pansies, violas, mums, all those things. I like to wait a little later than the box stores because the early, the earlier you buy these crops, um, especially mums, they just don't perform like you would anticipate uh, for the later part of fall. But regardless, snapdragons are great. They like cooler weather, and really in the dead of winter, they don't do much. But they bloom in the fall, slow down in the dead of winter, and then as late winter shows up, you can force them to probably have the best flower show that you've ever seen. 
Now, let me mention a, another plant is aster. Asters are probably blooming right now uh, in your gardens. If you haven't seen them, they'll start if they haven't. Trust me. And, of course, we've got a decent selection of asters at the nursery. But asters are another way of getting a beautiful late-season flower show. And many of these asters are actually uh, perennial. So you don't have to replant them like you do pansies and violas. So look for asters going forward. Don't just stick to mums and and pansies, but look for asters as well. Now, the last plant that I'd like to encourage you to look for, and you may have to look, folks, because I don't think anybody is growing this plant in the South as a plant. You've got to find it as seed. But don't worry, they're super easy to grow from seed, and that is the um, Iceland poppy. Iceland poppies are beautiful poppies. Now, this poppy is not the poppy that Dorothy fell asleep in on her way to the Emerald City. No, these poppies are in a different group, but they are very beautiful. Let me describe these plants. So down way at the base are a tuft of of leaves that the stems, the flowering stems emerge from. And these flowering stems go straight up on this wiry-like stem. And at the very top is this beautiful paper-like blossom. I've seen them in shades of oranges, yellows, whites, reds. And usually when you buy them as seed, you're going to get the entire collection there. You'll probably have every every flower color you could. But the Iceland poppy does well over winter. And then usually late winter, they just bloom their heads off. Probably one of my favorite annual plants. And the great thing about Iceland poppy, as with other poppies, is that you can save their seed and their seed can be used for years. And you can keep them going in your garden. Maybe you just let the seed fall to the ground and they start their own little colony and community. But I just wanted to mention a few things before we leave for today for you to try. Try out some new plants. Yes, uh, pansies and mums are great. They're beautiful plants. But try some other things. Try the snapdragons. Try the Iceland poppies. Let's make this fall season the most colorful you've ever had. Well, thanks again for letting me share the story of my mother with you. Um, I wish you could have met her. But until next week, this is Nathan Wilson for New Southern Garden and WRWH 93.9 FM. Stay well and grow well. Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. 